Aalto University Podcast. Hello all, um, I'm Tommy Kaupinen and this is Cloud Reachers podcast. Today we have episode with Irene Cellino from Sefril, Milan. So great to welcome you to the episode, Irene. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you for inviting me. So, uh, I mean, let me start with uh, one simple kind of question. So, I mean, I know that and, and many other people know that we are super active in doing projects on knowledge management and gamification, human computation. Um, and uh, in many cases, they are very related to learning. So can you share some uh, some of these recent activities and vision? Yeah, so um, here at Chifril, we, we do uh, research in many fields of uh, uh, ICT. I, I'm re- I really do care about human computation as a field because it's where computers and people get together, let's say. So uh, human computation is a field where Uh, you put back the human in the loop. So, for example, with all this hype on machine learning and artificial intelligence, people start thinking that everything can be done completely automatic, and that's not completely true. So uh, the machine needs the humans, and so the idea of involving people in uh, collecting data, um, validating information, Uh, checking what the system is doing, giving uh, human uh, explanations of automatic prediction is definitely something that today is, is, is really important. And whenever you do this, you not only help the machine through humans, but a lot of times you also uh, teach something to humans. So I've done a number of uh, games with a purpose, which are gaming application, Uh, in which players, uh, uh, while playing, uh, solve some tasks. And I saw, for example, a number of years ago in, in, um, in a game that was about um, uh, cultural heritage, we were rating images somehow through the game, but the collateral effect was also that people uh, were getting aware of cultural heritage they didn't know. So there's always a mix of what the machine can learn and what the human can learn. And when you put the two things together, I think there's uh, always uh, a win-win situation, let's say. A very good point, very good point. I just actually uh, reminds me of uh, some uh, early, early years of my career when my friend was uh, doing a kind of a CD, DVD, um, to teach uh, Rassan, and uh, actually he learned Rassan himself <laughs> as well, <laughs> which is amazing. Um, hey, uh, let me ask you, like, I mean, uh, fantastic ideas about human computation and uh, how to bring human into loop. So, but if you yourself think about you as a, as a human being, so um, as a creative person, what drives you in research and teaching and learning? Can you share about your kind of latest findings, what you have found? Found in your work. So personally, the, the first uh, the first motivation for me is al- always uh, uh, curiosity. So whenever I I see something that I do not know, I'm I'm really pushed to to know more. Let's say so. I think that curiosity is something that is innate in any researcher, 
or that that should be at least in my opinion. And the second thing is understanding motivation. So not only my own motivations, but also motivation of people. Uh, so as a computer scientist, we always uh, develop applications for people and we want to make sure that we um, um, address their, their needs. But in human computation, you also need to understand why people are willing to contribute. So whether it is a citizen science project or um, a crowdsourcing platform, what is that motivates people to contribute? Is it money? Is it personal recognition? Is it that they learn something more, something else? So um, recently I have started a, a European uh, cooperative research project named ACTION, which is about the citizen science in the area of pollution. And I learned about an initiative in the Netherlands, uh, is this uh, uh, Center for the Conservation of Butterflies and Dragonflies. And they have 700 volunteers, which uh, on turn every two weeks, go in the, in the field and count dragonflies. And that was amazing. I mean, uh, I mean, thinking about 700 people interested in counting dragonflies, it's something that, uh, <laughs> that struck me somehow because uh, they are willing to take part in this initiative in order to monitor the actual population of dragonflies in the Netherlands. And so people are innately good in my opinion. And uh, uh, when you find the right motivation in them, they are willing to invest their time to help you. Um, let's say also to help the world or the progress or the research in this case. Amazing. I mean, actually, <laughs> this reminds me of, uh, do you remember the experiment we did? Uh, was it uh, three yeah. years ago in Milan? I mean, in Pertinora, yes. actually, in this summer school. Uh, uh, where we were both teaching about cognition and uh, visualization. So we gave two extra minutes for the winner of the game. Yes, exactly. For, for his pitch. I mean, like uh, for the group uh, he was representing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is <laughs> this is amazing. I mean, I, I think we were thinking whether it could be something like with a monetary value, but mm -hmm. then then we thought that, okay, just giving two extra minutes for the pitch and, uh, and uh, it motivated the um, student crowd uh, really to participate. Yeah, for, Amazing. for students, I would say that competition is, is a huge driver. So gaming and, uh, and gamification in, in, in teaching and in learning, I think it's uh, uh, now it's a quite uh, well-explored topic, but still I, see, I think it's one case in which uh, um, the motivation is, is really the right one to, to involve uh, students in, in learning. Mm. But is it also, uh, I mean, I'm just uh, from driving from my own experiences that uh, we also have to be careful when we are introducing competition. Yeah. So kind of, uh, kind of thinking uh, what is exactly the award and, uh, and also how can we make a setting um, where you learn both collaboration and then still get the motivation, whether it's a competition or something like that. What do you think about that? So I can tell you another story. So in the previous European project named Stars for All, uh, we made a competition between students um, and they, they were asked to play this game with a purpose 
named uh, Night Knights. It was an image classification game. And the winner of the competition, so the, the one that played more and get more points in the game, uh, had a very tangible and uh, important uh, reward that was uh, um, he was winning uh, this expedition uh, to the United States to see uh, the solar eclipse. So in that case, the prize was, was really interesting. And, uh, and so it had also a monetary value, if you like. And so we saw that there were so much competition between students and so that some computer science students actually tried to hack the game in order to win more points. So, I mean, it, at oh, that time was, yeah. uh, was, really, was really nice. In the end, uh, uh, it was not the, the cheater, let's say the winner, but it was interesting. And we discussed a lot, uh, should we uh, award even if they are cheating or not? <laughs> because somehow they are students, they are computer science students. So the only fact that they were trying to act the system means that they were willing to learn something more. <laughs> so even if uh, they were cheating, on the other hand, they were learning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perhaps, uh, yeah, that's that's a very good idea because I mean, it's like uh, like really thinking the complete picture, what exactly they learn mm -hmm. within the, well, I mean, the setting. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, so, uh, if you if you yourself think about your life and career, um, I mean, because if I listen to your stories, uh, you have uh, so much. I mean, so many experiences and uh, different uh, projects mm -hmm. as well. But uh, personally, do you see some turning point in your career? Something that made you think uh, perhaps differently about anything, learning or thinking, research. So I would say. As I was saying before that I'm curious, I think that I have many turning points. Every time in my life or, or, or career, I meet something new that I don't know and that I want to uh, discover more. So, you know, what they call unknown unknowns. So the things that you don't know, you don't know. And then at some point you know that you don't know. And so you are pushed to learn more. <laughs> so uh, this happens, I mean, as a researcher, it happens a lot. I mean, I started 15 years ago with semantic web technologies, and then 10 years ago, I started with human computation. And so every uh, few years, uh, you start exploring something different. Lately, I've been working on, on questionnaire design, so a completely different topic. Uh, lately, I would say that um, more or less one year ago, I became officially the head of my group. And uh, I thought that, uh, initially I thought that, that was somehow the recognition of what I already knew or what I already got. And in the end I, I discovered that I didn't know enough about leadership or managing people or interpersonal communication. So I still see, okay, I, I've become head of my group, which means that I have to learn more <laughs> and in a completely different area that is not research, but it is more management. And, and if I can make uh, a suggestion for a reading suggestion, I, I lately read a book by uh, Kim Scott um, entitled Radical Candor, uh, which is 
about uh, interpersonal communication and how to do it in a very direct and sincere way, still putting the, the personal relationship in, in the loop. So uh, that was something that I'm, I'm very happy that I read and I, I, I hope I will apply in the best possible way at work and not only at work. <laughs> Whoa, uh, nice. Can you, can you share something uh, like uh, what is um, some uh, perhaps one or two lessons from that book yeah. that, uh, that you have been... Yeah, so they define what uh, radical candid communication should be. And, and she says that it's a mix of uh, challenging directly your, the person you're talking with and uh, caring personally. So whenever you talk to somebody, you have always to take care of, of this person. So especially if you're a leader of, of somebody else, you need to understand what are their, the things they care about. But still, you don't have to stop saying what you have to say. You don't have to stop giving you feedbacks. You don't have to stop challenging people to do more, to do better. Um, and, uh, and that was somehow opened my mind in several ways because in some cases I know that either I didn't challenge directly because I thought that I, I, I should have cared more. And in some other cases, I was challenging very directly, probably without caring enough. So I think that this mix of, um, of ingredients of communication are, are really important. And in, in any situation, of course, at, uh, at, at your job is one thing with your colleagues, uh, but also in, in your personal life. So uh, sometimes I'm scared or afraid to offend people or to say something too much, but the challenging directly is an ingredient of communication. And of course, it must be paired with uh, uh, care. <laughs> Oh yeah, well, that's thanks for sharing that because I mean I so I so agree uh, with that in in many many ways. I mean, if I think about, for example, um, my own team, mm -hmm. I don't know <laughs> if I do it well, but I mean at least I try um, to um, both care and then challenge. So, for example, uh, we have uh, brownback that we call it, uh, and. Um, I want to ensure that every single person of the of the team mm -hmm. has the possibility to voice out yep. their concerns. So kind of reflections. Uh, so instead of uh, you know describing plans on Monday morning at nine o'clock, it happens on Friday noon uh, for two hours, mm -hmm. kind of lunch time. So we have some brown bags with us, and then it's reflection. Yeah. So I mean, and and I think that is a way of caring so we actually care what happened to mm -hmm. you this week and uh, obviously people still have plans and uh, they should have plans and that is where the challenge comes to the the uh, image yep. but yeah thanks for sharing that I'll, I'll definitely read that book and uh, and try to understand actually I uh, it just reminds me uh, I recently read about kind of set of uh, nice things that you can do in uh, when you organize a party. Mm -hmm. And uh, one, one stroke me, and I have already uh, tried it a few times. It's a really simple way. People just write a topic that they are interested in, and then they just, just place it uh, on top of their shirt. Uh -huh. And, you know, <laughs> nice. then you go to an event, and, you know, there you go. 
So it's kind of how an event organizer can care about people even before they arrive to the event. Yeah, ice breaking. <laughs> yeah, ice breaking, but I, I would say it's also, I mean, kind of challenging and caring yeah, definitely. at the same time. I definitely. Mean, yeah. Because if you care, yeah. you also care of what people uh, really care about. So, yeah. uh, and one other, yeah. uh, one other suggestion from the book is, okay, you have to learn to give feedbacks, of course. But the, the, the best way to learn how to give feedback is to get feedbacks. So one important lesson is start asking feedbacks from your colleagues, from your boss, uh, from the people that work for you. And, and that's an important thing, I think. I, I, I usually don't tend to ask people what they think of me or what they think I, I did right or wrong. But... Asking for feedback is the best way to learn how to give feedback. Yeah, I so agree. I mean, nowadays and uh, already for a while, uh, I've been using a simple question. What do you think? Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you you express your opinion, sure, but then you say, what do you think? Mm -hmm. I mean, <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah. Uh, it's so beautiful sentence, and uh, and uh, I mean, when I ask it, I, I I truly mean it. I mean, I really really want to get feedback. I don't get always answers, but uh, quite often I get. And yeah, hey, if I if I think about um, you and uh, I mean your background, semantic web, and uh, and doing a lot of things online, but you yourself, what did you learn online the last time? What was it? So actually, I would say that. Uh, on, online learning today gives us uh, different ways ways of, of learning or starting to learn something. So I would say that in, uh, in for what is related to my job, um, I also discovered that there's no single process to learn things. So for example, um, one year ago, more or less, I, I, I read in a newsletter uh, that there was this uh, webinar about uh, active learning that I never heard about. I mean, I've worked with machine learning, but uh, active learning was a field that I didn't know. So I, I first uh, watched the webinar, and then since it got uh, my interest, I I turned to let's say traditional ways of of learning. So research tools, so looking for papers, so looking for stuff. And, uh, and so this is, let's say, starting from online and then going to your usual way of learning. Another case that was somehow the opposite, I, I started from traditional research tools. So I read a number of papers on questionnaire design and uh, questionnaire evaluation and so on. And uh, in that case, somehow I re just reading the papers, I was missing the the application. So then I went online and looked actively for tutorials, videos on, on online. And I discovered on YouTube an entire channel from an prof American professor that had an entire course on that topic with uh, very hands-on videos and so on. So now I think that learning online has changed so much that uh, now there is no single correct way of learning. And, uh, and as such, I, I think that's uh, a lot uh, of, uh, of possibilities out there. 
And if I can give you an, an example uh, of non-job-related non thing, um, a couple of years ago, I, I installed uh, Instagram on my phone for the first time, so I created an account. And uh, since I, I knew something about uh, search and recommendation systems and stuff like that, I was curious uh, what Instagram could suggest me in the, in the search page of the app uh, when the app didn't know anything about me. So when I just I was just uh, creating an account and starting browsing. And, and so I discovered that uh, Instagram initially suggests you either popular posts or they try some topic to see what best fits and then they learn on the like you put on the account you follow and stuff like that. And uh, so by chance, by looking for, let's say, um, uh, an answer to a, let's say, research question, I, I discover um, people, uh, especially women, that do hand lettering which is uh, a very non-digital art. So it's the art of drawing letters by hand with uh, pens, uh, with brushes, uh, with uh, special tools. And I became very fascinated by this and I tried myself. So in the, for the last three years, I, let's say that uh, during the day I'm a computer scientist, but at night I, have, I wanna be I want to be artist, <laughs> and I try this handle lettering thing, which is very non-digital because that's what I like of that because I can express, let's say, my creativity in an analogical way <laughs> instead of a digital one. And that was something that I discovered and, and learned completely by chance. And that was curious to me still. It became one of my uh, passions uh, nowadays. Wow, fantastic. So it all started online, but then now it's exactly the thing that brings you offline. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> then, of course, I Thanks. take pictures of my, of my stuff and put them online again on, on Instagram. But still, I mean, the best part of the experience is completely offline. Yeah. Yeah. This is really funny to hear because I, like a few weeks ago, I did the same experiment with YouTube. Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of trying uh, how does YouTube uh, serve me if it doesn't know anything mm -hmm. about me. I'm not sure, perhaps it still knows something <laughs> about me, but it was really interesting recommendations, very different from my normal uh -huh. recommendations, I mean, that I get from Google or YouTube. So, but I'm still finding what it can success me. <laughs> <laughs> so, let's see. Um, hey, um, if you think about the uh, future of online, kind of related to this, uh, this discussion, so um, future of learning, future of online, I mean, it's, it's so much social media nowadays, um, things are happening in, in social media platforms, uh, as we all know, I mean, I mean, let's not go to politics yeah. or anything, but clearly things, there are things that are happening, right? Yeah. And uh, researchers are uh, encouraged to uh, go more and more to social media platforms. Uh, I mean, teachers are anyway putting more, more and more learning contents online. So, um, what kind of vision do you have for future of online or future of learning, if you like? So, I think that now uh, with the, let's say, the explosion of uh, user-generated content on the web, we open up an entire 
uh, pot of possibilities. Uh, still, I think that uh, we, and we have, as I, I was saying before, we have different ways of learning supported by online content. Uh, still, I think that uh, in all those uh, experiences, there must be something online and something offline. So I still believe that even today, 2019, we need to have face-to-face -face, um, during learning. So I, I still believe that uh, it cannot be done everything online or everything remotely. Uh, but the, the challenge is to um, put together online and offline. Um, so I still believe that our students should interact with their teachers and, and learn from them. Uh, so I still see that there are a number of practices right now that uh, are emerging. For example, my sister is a high school uh, chemistry teacher. And she applies a lot uh, um, the so-called of, how do they call it? The reverse way of, of teaching. Uh, the uh, flipper the flipper classroom. classroom, thank you. Yeah. yeah and yeah. she uh, does that a lot. So she has uh, videos that explain the theory behind chemistry. And then when they are at school, they make experiments or they make exercises. And the, so there are ways in which... Uh, the mix of the two things, the two elements, face-to-face -face and remote work. Still, we have to find the right balance in every case. So not all uh, topics can be teached online or not all topics can be teached with a frontal lesson. So the balance between the two should be uh, very carefully chosen. And the other thing is that now there is so much content online. And the point is, where do I start? Or how do I find the relevant one, the useful one? And how do I, I tell apart what is reliable and what is not? And this is, of course, very much related also to the fake news topic that is everybody talks about. And I think that this is maybe the, the big issue today. So I do believe with my human computation researcher hat on, that we need, again, to get back to people and engage people to involve them to tell apart the useful from the useless. So in a sense, it's what uh, Wikipedia did when it started, right? So uh, people started uh, writing in a collaborative way an encyclopedia, which is, a, it was a crazy idea. I mean, I don't know about you, Tommy, but when I first heard about Wikipedia many, many years ago, I thought, they are crazy, they, it will never work. And indeed it did. And it's because even if there are people who are willing to waste resources or to put unreliable content, there are still more people that are willing to do the right way, right? So we should engage people in judging the content online and help in this filtering and, and ranking of contents, because that's something that I some, sometimes, or actually many times, I feel the need today when I look online for something I'm not an expert of, you know? Excellent. I mean, I, I, thanks for sharing that. I, I so agree with all everything that you're saying. <laughs> it's a, it was a fantastic, uh, fantastic summary. Uh, kind of, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, 
if, if you look at all the AI, all the recommendations engines, what I'm missing sometimes is why on earth cannot we say to them that, okay, well, this is something that I'm not interested mm-hmm. in, or this is something that I'm definitely interested in, and uh, here is a space that uh, is containing the unknown unknowns, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether... Mm-hmm. And uh, how 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 do we communicate that? That is uh, that is of course a big question. Perhaps something to do research on. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I I think that it's. Of course, it it is not uh, an easy uh, topic because of course it involves ethics, it involves transparency, uh, it involves uh, technology and uh, people interest and many things together. So there, there is no easy way out. Uh, I still believe that uh, from, from a researcher point of view, this is a very interdisciplinary uh, research topic. Somehow it's what uh, research in, in web science try to do, right? So, and people that uh, research in web science usually are not only technologists or sometimes are not at all technologists but are sociologists or other kind of backgrounds that deals more with the humanities. And I see that uh, in research, there is and there should be probably even more uh, attention to, um, to the non-technological side of technology, let's say. And so filtering information. And of course, uh, I don't want to open another topic, but of course, personal data protection. Uh, this is something that requires putting together forces from uh, different domains and, and try to do something more. Absolutely. Hey, um, thanks for this session. Final question that we ask uh, from all the guests. Uh, so, I mean, if you, I mean, our podcast uh, series is called Cloud Reachers. Mm-hmm. So reaching out clouds, reaching out dreams or online, if you like. But uh, who or which is a cloud reacher in your own field, thus bringing somehow this field uh, forward? So first of all, let me say that cloud reacher is a beautiful name. (laughs) And congratulations (laughs) for choosing it, because I think it's a very vivid image of of what you mean. So on the one hand, I would say you, Tommy, (laughs) because we we have known each other. (laughs) We've known each other for a while now. And what yeah. I appreciate in, in interacting with you is that you are always striving for uh, for something more. You're always very positive and very curious uh, and a very positive attitude towards anything. And, Whoa, uh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say that there's no single person that is a cloud richer. And on the other hand, I would say that everybody can be a cloud richer. And with... Uh, human computation in mind, I what I learned over time is that when you involve people and motivate them to give their contribution, the value that comes out is always much greater than you expected. So I would say that if you are bold enough to express your thought, your dreams, and you are also willing to take action and to offer your contribution and help, you can be a cloud richer and you can really make a difference. So, you know, today everybody is talking about that uh, Swedish girl, teenager that uh, uh, striking on, on Fridays uh, is making everybody think about uh, the environment. Yeah, uh, Greta. Yes. Yeah, Greta. And uh, I mean, 
when I was 16, I was not thinking about that. <laughs> so on the one hand, I really admire uh, a teenager like her. And I think, I mean, if she could make such a noise, let's say, being a 16 years old uh, girl in, in Sweden, uh, think about what each of us can do if we just are willing to express our opinions and take action on that. Because, I mean, the, the progress of the world, the improvement, the change, come if we do change and, and improve ourselves. That was a beautiful, beautiful sentence, a beautiful landing uh, to the episode on uh, all the fantastic things we talked about, the future of learning. Hey, Irene, thanks so much uh, for joining this episode. Um, highly appreciate Thanks. Thank you, Tommy. I was really honored <laughs> to join today. So great. Let's get back on this. I'm sure we will do another episode. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Ciao.